Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. Okay, thank you for joining us for the podcast. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. We're thrilled to have you join us here today. Today, we are chatting with Vikram Mankar, who is the Principal Product Manager with GE Digital. We're going to be talking um, smart factories and um, how software is changing uh, in the general sense in this era of digital transformation and as we emerge from the pandemic and all that good stuff. So, uh, Vikram, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well. Give us a little bit about your background. What do you do with GE Digital? Sure. So uh, I'm I'm the principal product manager for GE Digital's uh, Proxy Smart Factory Suite. Uh, being with GE now for well over 14 years, and uh, you know it's been it's an exciting time uh, here with GE Digital and our customers. Uh, there's a lot going on in manufacturing, and so it's like the perfect you know it's the perfect spot to be in. Yeah. Well, that's certainly the case. It's it's a fun spot to work in because from our perspective, you know, I know. Uh, it's changing every day. Um, it's adoption is growing, awareness is growing. You know, initiatives are, are maturing, all that good stuff. So it's very fun. Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell me about a hobby outside of work. What is a passion of yours when you're not uh, working at GE Digital? When I'm not working, I am cooking. I love cooking, so uh, that's that's a passion, a hobby that I picked up uh, several years ago, and I've continued to follow that. And you know, I I love just. Chopping up things, putting it on a wok, and then you know, hearing the wok sizzle or the grill sizzle—that's that's like the the ultimate uh, you know uh, cooling effect after a hard day's work. Yeah, good stuff. I love it. All right, let's talk about work. Um, manufacturing software is your focus here. How has manufacturing software changed in your professional tenure? It's it's been through several transitions. Uh, you know, when I started manufacturing uh, back then, manufacturing software was almost running on you know the old DOS screens, right? You had old DOS screens and DOS commands doing yeah. stuff on the plant floor, and then you had green screens. So you know, folks will remember green screens back then as well. And today, it's 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 all about mobility. So you you know the, the operators the, the folks on the plant floor or the folks in the back office want everything by right on their phones right on their ipads right on the desktop so it's all about mobility and accessibility to information you know wherever you are and not not uh not stuck on the plant floor or, or on a uh, computer that's next to a machine yeah and you've been in this space now for about two decades um you know, talking to me about recent years, you know, you've probably seen an evolution of, of manufacturing software capabilities over the past 20 years. But in recent, you know, in the past three years, the past five years, as we've really ramped up some of these digital transformation initiatives, where do you see things headed with, um, with manufacturing software? What's, what's in the near future for us here? So the big, big, uh, I think, transformation from uh, my perspective, what I'm seeing is, you know, the, the, the fact that the workforce today or, or of the past is being replaced by millennials. And so you have a workforce, the, the new workforce coming in, expecting things to work in a certain way or, or be equivalent to their personal life. So I'm thinking, yeah. talking about like phones and tablets and you know, smart TVs where it's all out there, easy to use, does, doesn't take a lot of uh, learning from uh, you know, you know, how do I use this software? It's, it's you pick it up, you click and you're ready to go. So that's been a huge change where this workforce coming in 
is not expecting to be trained for three months and six months on how to use the software. They want to start using it on day one. And that's been a challenge for a lot of manufacturing software companies is to kind of transition from, you know, I keep saying the old green screen to more of a web and app style uh, environment where you, you want your users to start using a software the day it gets installed versus waiting for three months in a classroom learning how to do things. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, let's talk to you how that informs kind of the smart factory approach then. Talk to me about how do you define the concept of a smart factory? Um, and, you know, with your, your work with GE Digital, let's say, how are you applying that, that mindset into, into customer plans? So smart factory is really a suite of uh, different capabilities. So, you know, it, it, uh, so from a G digital standpoint, proxy smart factory contains a historian module. So that's for time series data. It contains uh, execution capabilities. So that is tracking everything from machine downtime, machine efficiency or OEE to the process data that we collect to product data to routes and routing of discrete assemblies to uh, so so pure execution, track and trace, genealogy. And then it also has components around analytics. So we have uh, what we call, what in, what's included in, a, in Smart Factory is a manufacturing data cloud. So you can bring all this rich data into a centralized enterprise style data cloud where you can uh -huh. analytics. So all of this, these capabilities we bundled into what we call the Smart Factory. And, and really, you know, what we're pushing is we're trying to push the boundaries of, you know, it's not just about data collection, but using the data for actionable insights. And so analytics, predictive analytics, so using AI and, uh, and machine learning to drive some of the predictive analytics is also included in there. Okay. And, you know, each application is unique. Each vertical, each industry, each facility has its own challenges and its own opportunities there. But are, are, you, are you able to glean or communicate best practices that are, um, you know, applicable across the board? What are some common, <clears throat> you know, standard uh, approaches with the smart factory, you know, uh, roadmap that work in most cases? So one of the things that I typically advocate is, you know, building some form of a data, you know, and, and I'm using database more in terms of bringing the data to a central location. And that's where we push our historian a lot is uh -huh. that's a perfect platform for getting started, right? So you may not be ready on day one to start doing track and trace as an example, you know, right. doing material tracking on day one. But you can certainly collect data from your machines. You can certainly uh, collect data from your equipment. And that's a nice starting point where you can start now figuring out, given the problem to solve, how do I best leverage the data? So that's one of the best practices that I, I, I advocate. The other one would be out-of-the-box capability. You know, you, like I said, the, the people coming in are expecting things to work on day one. So you don't have, as a customer, as a client or a manufacturer, you don't have time for somebody to come in and say, I'm going to go build you your system, give me six months and I'll come back, right? right. So that's where out-of-the-box capability is critical. And that's what we're pushing is, you know, provide as much out-of-the-box capability, addressing these various verticals, as you as you mentioned, you know, you, a, a food and beverage manufacturer is going to require things that are going to be look different than somebody who's assembling a car. So we understand that. And so and that's where we provide sort of persona-based, role-based uh, out-of-the-box capabilities or app, what we call apps and then and a rapid application development environment where if you do have to build something you can build something quickly but drag drop no code low, uh, low code kind of environment and then again the point is get you started as soon as possible versus waiting for months yeah and what's the most common challenge you've seen like maybe in terms of operations and management that you've most frequently encounter uh working with clients 
I think there's uh, it, it's the common challenge we see is we still have you know uh, customers we still see uh, industries that are still stuck in the paper world. So there is a uh, you know it's we 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 want to digitize them. We want to bring them into the mobile environment. We want them to use digital tools. But at the end of the day, if you think from an operator perspective, you know it's a very easy to pick up a pencil and write in a value. Yeah. Versus, you know, picking up a tablet and then you, you entering that same information, right? So it's like typing in and uh, versus writing with a pencil. So that that sort of change management has been a challenge, and we've tried to do our, uh, you know, from a uh, vendor perspective, what we've done is we, you know, we incorporated smart capabilities like cameras incorporated in the app, so you don't have to necessarily write or type. You can use a camera for, for example, like a barcode scan or taking a picture. So those are the things that we continue to do to address some of these, what I would typically call change management challenges mm -hmm. that help transition an operator or that client into the digital world smoothly from the old paper-based uh, processes. And, and what's an industry or a vertical that's uh, a front runner with this respect? Who's somebody that you really look to uh, you know, as doing this properly? I mean, a lot of this, you know, I, I see automotive uh, definitely, and, and this part, and yeah. partly I'm biased because my background is automotive, but I've seen yeah. it happen 15, 20 years ago in auto, automotive where they transitioned, com transitioned completely into a fully automated digitized environment. And that's kind of been a benchmark for a lot of industries. Surprisingly, that's kind of been the benchmark for a lot of industries. And we've seen this now, uh, even in, in uh, some of the CPG food and beverage, where you have both sides of the spectrum. You have the, the highly advanced uh, food manufacturers that are where the operators literally just, all they do is set their machine and all the data collection happens automatically versus yeah, yeah. the old traditional, hey, I gotta go write my oven temperatures on a you know on a checklist somewhere, yeah. go back and write those oven temperatures and so yeah. so So you have both spectrums, but I think automotive in my, my uh, experience has been kind of the leader in some of these uh, uh, technologies and, and definitely from an adoption standpoint. And why is that Vikram? Why was automotive a front runner in adopting these practices? I think it's a lot to do with the environment, right? I mean, when you look at automotive, the complexity of products, the uh, the touch points when it comes to operators, you you have you know you have factories that produce a car every forty to fifty seconds today. That is a very short pack time for an operator to do any sort of uh, data collection. So right from the get-go, the way assembly lines were designed is we want the operators to focus on an assembly, right? They want the operators to put the parts, not go and collect data, right? So that, that sure. whole paradigm basically meant that I got to figure out a data collection strategy that doesn't involve my operator doing uh, you know, data collection for me. Yeah. So that's kind of driven some of that uh, automation, that digitization that we're starting to see now other industries kind of pull in and and kind of you know let the operator sort of focus on what they're supposed to do, which is run the machine, make a product, versus go write things down or collect it. Yeah, and they don't want to be doing that. They want to focus on their work as well. So exactly. Um, yeah. Talk to me about the the pandemic here. Uh, you know, we're recording this here in uh, mid April 2022. Uh, what has been the effect of the pandemic on manufacturing software? I think we've, what we've seen is a lot of interest in manufacturing software. Again, going back to some of the examples we share where, you know, the, the, with the pandemic and with, especially with workforces, right? We, you know, I was, I was, I was at a food and uh, food customer a few weeks ago where 
they said they were running throughout the pandemic 24 seven because there's so much demand for, and this was a bakery. There was so much demand for baked goods that they just couldn't stop. Yeah. But also had a pandemic where people were falling sick. So you, you had transitional workforce, you had temporary workforces for people on contract coming in. It's very hard to train this workforce into running a complex, uh, uh, you know, facility like a bakery, right? So what it does, what it did was it actually, you know, push them to start looking at manufacturing software as a way to solve that challenge. And, you know, one of the other things we noticed was uh, with the pandemic, it's hard for people on the floor to start sharing equipment. Like for example, 10 years ago, you would put a station on the floor and five operators would probably use that station to enter the data or do the things. Yeah. Now with the pandemic and with the requirement of maintaining social distances, putting, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, physical barriers in, in the, within the being operators, Mobility is what they want. And so the, you know, hey, if we can give operators iPads and phones and they can do what they work through through those devices, the less touching happens in shared areas, right? So that's one of the things we've seen. And again, the, the push for uh, modern software to provide that kind of capability for, especially where you have groups of operators working together, giving them that, that sort of uh, isolation in terms of using your own device versus using shared devices. Yeah. And they're going to be more. They're going to be more skilled with using their own devices anyway. So it's a win-win. Right. Um, last question for you, Vikram. What most excites you about the near future of smart manufacturing? What's coming down the road, or what's just kind of uh, scaling out right now that that really uh, gets you excited about this whole space? I think the promise of analytics. I mean, now that you know the folks pushing for data collection and the ability of data, I think smart analytics, analytics driven by machine learning, is is really the way of the future. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. use cases already, and we are working very closely with customers already, but I think we're just scratching the surface. I mean, the volume of data that's gonna, that we're gonna generate over the next few years, it's gonna open up countless uh, opportunities for, for really the, the analytics uh, scenario. I think that's really where we see the market going. But on the flip side, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity just with existing manufacturers on just to get them to a point where they're simply collecting data. So yeah. this this kind of you know the, the the fun aspect for someone like me is I want to get folks started with the, the data collection journey, but then folks who've already been on the data collection journey, I want to get them involved with uh, the analytics journey and get them into predictive analytics. So it's 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 like a broad spectrum of uh, growth there that uh, we're really excited about. Excellent, Vikram Mankar with GE Digital. Thanks for joining us today on the Remaking Industry Podcast. We really appreciate it. It was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and to our listeners, as always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.